Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my co-host looking extra pretty clad in teal today is Carly. Thank you. I feel extra pretty in my Disney decor. It's a very nice aqua color. Yes. I like it. So we will fly into our Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, and the barely corresponding film scenes. New sixth years get their schedules and head off to classes. McGonagall shows so much pride in Neville, and we love to see it. Harry and Ron continue their education together by taking the same classes. We see Snape being extra Snapey as he teaches defense against the dark arts. And we get the best line in the entire series when Harry says, There's no need to call me sir, professor. Unless you're watching the movie, in which we just see Harry and Ron being goobers in the corridor before finding out they need to go to potions. During episode 210, Worldwide Wizarding Web, our Potter pondering was, how do you feel about the sixth movie not including any Snape-led Defense Against the Dark Arts classes? Hi, this is Jessica calling in my pondering. Of all the movies to leave out the Defense Against the Dark Arts classes, this almost tops the list as the stupidest one to do it. Considering the whole world is terrified of Voldemort and everyone knows he's back, and being diligent with their protection and, you know, everything, why do they choose now to stop showing that class? We just supposed to think Harry quit the class just because Snape is teaching it or what? I don't understand the motivation behind cutting that out at all. And the best line ever... No need to call me sir, professor. Like, the way that Daniel would have just been so good with that line. Fuck him up, Harry. Like, it's so good. Like, why would they do that to us? They literally just truly hate us because it's so great. Why cut it out, David? Explain. Big mistake. Huge. Hey Ellen, hey Carly, Jackson here. I'm absolutely fucking aggro, little Aussie turn there for you, that there, there was no Snape-led defence against the dark arts. I wanted to hear Snape talk about this stuff. I wanted to see the sassy Harry moment. I wanted all of it. And we got absolutely none of it. And that just, oh, that makes me mad as a cut snake. Yet another one for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, who wrote Advanced Potion Making? The answer is Libaceous Borage. Congratulations goes to Kalista White Wolf. Yay! She's reached seven weeks in a row. It is quite the streak. She was recently complaining about not having enough competition, so... Maybe there's somebody out there who could sweep in and steal it from her. You think that's going to happen? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, Part 2. The trio spend their break speculating about what Dumbledore is going to teach Harry. Ron expecting spectacular jinxes, and Hermione thinking it will be advanced defensive magic. After break, she heads off to Arithmancy, and Harry and Ron head to their common room to grudgingly start Snape's homework. It's so challenging they still aren't finished when Hermione joins them, though she does speed up the process and they get it finished just as the bell rings for their afternoon of double potions. When they arrive in the corridor to the potions classroom, they see that only a dozen people have progressed to any WT level. In addition to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, there are four Slytherins, including Malfoy, four Ravenclaws, and one Hufflepuff, Ernie McMillan. Ernie pompously greets Harry, holding out his hand and commenting on their Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson from earlier. 
He asks how Ron and Hermione are, and they can only respond they are fine before Slughorn opens the dungeon door and invites them in, enthusiastically greeting Harry and Zabini. The dungeon is already filled with vapors and odd smells, which is unusual, and the trio all sniff as they pass large, bubbling cauldrons. Each of the Slytherins and Ravenclaws fill their own tables of four, leaving Harry, Ron, and Hermione to share with Ernie. Their table is nearest to a gold cauldron filled with a potion emitting a very seductive scent that reminds Harry of treacle tart, the woody smell of a broom handle, and something flowery he thinks he smelled at the burrow. Professor Slughorn calls the class to attention and asks everyone to get out their scales, potion kits, and copies of advanced potion making. Harry raises his hand to let his professor know that neither he nor Ron have their materials yet, since they didn't realize they'd be able to take the class. Slughorn responds that Professor McGonagall mentioned that and says they can use ingredients from the store cupboard today and borrow some scales and copies of the book from the stock of old ones they have there. He crosses to the cupboard and pulls out two very battered copies of Advanced Potion Making by Libatious Borage and gives them to Harry and Ron along with two sets of tarnished scales. He then returns to the front of the class and begins telling them about the potions he has prepared for them to look at, describing them as potions they should be able to make after they complete their NEWTs. He says they ought to have heard of them, even if they haven't made them yet, and asks if anyone can identify the potion in the cauldron near the Slytherin's table. Harry stands slightly to see what looks like regular water boiling inside it, and Hermione immediately raises her hand. Slughorn points at her, and she says it's Veritaserum, a colorless, odorless potion that forces the drinker to tell the truth. Slughorn is pleased and moves on to the next cauldron near the Ravenclaw table. Again, Hermione is the first to raise her hand and identifies it as Polyjuice Potion. Harry recognizes this one as well, but doesn't resent Hermione giving the answer again since she is the one who successfully made it in their second year. Slughorn says excellent and then is bemused when Hermione raises her hand again to identify the third potion as Amortentia. Impressed, he asks if she knows what it does and Hermione responds that it is the most powerful love potion in the world. Slughorn confirms this and asks if she recognized it by its mother of pearl sheen. Hermione agrees, also pointing out the steam rising in characteristic spirals. She shares that it is supposed to smell differently to each of them according to what attracts them. She says she smells freshly mown grass and new parchment and then trails off turning pink. Slughorn asks for her name and when she tells him she is Hermione Granger, he asks if she is related to Hector Dagworth Granger, who founded the most extraordinary society of potioneers. She tells him she doesn't think so since she's muggle-born and Slughorn looks from Hermione to Harry, quoting the latter that one of his best friends is muggle-born and she's the best in the year. He says he assumes this is the friend Harry was referring to and awards Hermione 20 points for Gryffindor. Malfoy isn't pleased about this, but Hermione turns to Harry and whispers if he really called her the best in the year, pleased. This annoys Ron for some reason, who doesn't find it impressive since she is the best in the year and he would have said so too if asked. Hermione simply shushes him so she can hear what Slughorn is saying, leaving Ron looking slightly disgruntled. Slughorn tells the class that Amortentia does not really create love since that is impossible, but rather causes a powerful infatuation or obsession. He says it's probably the most dangerous and powerful potion in the room, insisting it is when a few people look skeptical. He then announces it's time to start work, but Ernie points out a small cauldron on Slughorn's desk, with a golden potion splashing within it, and says he hasn't told them what's in that one. Slughorn pretends he forgot about it, for dramatic effect, saying, Oh-ho! before telling the class it is a curious little potion called Felix Felicius. When Hermione gasps, he acknowledges that she knows what it does, and she calls it liquid luck, saying it makes you lucky. 
He awards another 10 points to Gryffindor and informs the class that Felix Felicius is tricky to make and disastrous to get wrong, but if brewed correctly, will allow all their endeavors to succeed until the effects wear off. A Ravenclaw, Terry Boot, asks why people don't drink it all the time, and Slughorn explains that it will cause giddiness, recklessness, and dangerous overconfidence if taken in excess. Too much of a good thing can be highly toxic, but is okay when taken sparingly and occasionally. Michael Corner asks if he has ever taken it, and Slughorn dreamily says he has, twice in his life, once when he was 24 and once when he was 57. Harry figures he is play-acting, but appreciates the effect as Slughorn seems to come back to Earth and informs the class he will be offering the potion as a prize in the lesson. The class falls silent as he holds up a tiny glass bottle and says it will be enough for 12 hours of luck. He also warns them that Felix Felicius is a banned substance in organized competitions, such as sporting events, examinations, or elections, so it is only to be used on an ordinary day to make it extraordinary. He lets them know they can win it by turning to page 10 of advanced potion making and using the hour remaining to attempt to brew the draft of living death. It is more complicated than anything they have brewed yet, so he does not expect a perfect potion, but the one who does the best will win. The only sounds come from the scraping of cauldrons being drawn closer and clunking from weights being added to the scales. Everyone is so focused that no one is talking. Harry sees Malfoy rifling through his book, clearly wanting that lucky day. He bends over the tattered copy Slughorn lent him and is annoyed to see the previous owner had scribbled all over it, making notes in the margins and crossing out and annotating the ingredients. He hurries to the store cupboard to gather the ingredients he needs and dashes back to get to work. Everyone keeps glancing around to check the other's progress, and within 10 minutes the room is full of a bluish steam. Naturally, Hermione seems to have progressed the furthest, as her potion already resembles the smooth black current color liquid mentioned as the ideal halfway stage. Harry has all his roots chopped and bends back over his book, irritated he has to decipher the directions through the stupid scribbles. The previous owner had taken issue with the order to cut up the sapophorus bean and instead wrote, Crush with flat side of silver dagger, releases juice better than cutting. Harry is briefly distracted and looks up when Malfoy asks Slughorn about knowing his grandfather, Abraxas Malfoy. Slughorn doesn't even look at Malfoy as he confirms he did and expresses sorrow for his death, though also saying it wasn't unexpected contracting dragonpox at his age. Harry bends back over his cauldron and smirks, knowing Malfoy expected to be treated like him or Zabini, or maybe even with the preferential treatment he would get from Snape, but instead he will just have to rely on nothing but talent to win the Felix Felicius. Harry tries to cut up the sapophorus bean and decides to ask Hermione if he can borrow her silver knife. She nods without taking her eyes off her potion, which is supposed to be turning lilac, but is instead remaining a deep purple. When he crushes the bean, he is amazed at how much juice it exudes and scoops it into his cauldron. He is surprised when it immediately turns the exact shade of lilac the book describes. No longer annoyed with the previous owner, Harry squints at the next line of instructions. The book directs him to stir counterclockwise until the potion turns as clear as water, but the handwritten addition instructs him to add a clockwise turn every seventh counterclockwise turn. Harry gives it a shot and the potion turns a palest pink. A red-faced and extra bushy-haired Hermione demands to know how he is doing that, but when Harry tells her to add the clockwise stir, she refuses since the book says counterclockwise. Harry shrugs and continues counting out each stir while Ron curses under his breath over his black-as-licorice potion. Harry looks around feeling elated as no one seems to have a potion as pale as his. Slughorn then calls for everyone to stop stirring and begins to make his way around the classroom to inspect the potions. When he comes to Harry's table, he smiles ruefully at Ron's tar-like potion, 
passes over Ernie's Navy concoction and gives Hermione's an approving nod. When he sees Harry, a look of incredulous delight spreads over his face and he declares it the clear winner. He believes Harry inherited his mother's talent, saying she was a dab hand at potions, and presents him with the little bottle of Felix Felicius. Harry pockets the potion, feeling an odd combination of delight at the Slytherin's fury and guilt at the disappointed expression on Hermione's face. Ron looks dumbfounded and asks Harry how he did that. Since Malfoy is in earshot, Harry just says he got lucky, but once they're at dinner, he feels safe enough to tell them of the extra notes in his book. The stony look on Hermione's face prompts him to ask if she thinks he cheated, and she stiffly says it wasn't really his own work. Ron figures he just took a risk, following a different set of instructions, and it paid off, sighing that he didn't get that book. They are interrupted by a voice close to Harry's ear saying, Hang on. He notices the flowery smell he had picked up on in Slughorn's dungeon and turns to see Ginny, who looks alarmed and angry and wants to know if he's really been taking orders from something someone wrote in a book. Harry reassures her that it isn't like Riddle's diary, just an old textbook someone scribbled on, but this doesn't really appease her. Hermione thinks Ginny has a point and says they ought to check there's nothing odd about the book. She grabs his copy of Advanced Potion Making and uses her wand to cast Specialis Revelio. When nothing happens at all, Harry asks if she's finished. When Hermione concedes that it seems to be alright, he snatches it back. It slips from his hand and falls open on the floor. As he bends to pick it up, he notices a scrawl along the bottom of the back cover. This book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. The movie scene picks up with Harry and Ron walking down an empty corridor as the latter complains about taking potions because Quidditch trials are coming up and he needs to practice. Harry doesn't respond as they continue walking and the camera cuts to Professor Slughorn explaining something to his class, who are all standing gathered in front of him. Harry and Ron walk into the classroom and Slughorn turns to see them greeting Harry saying he was beginning to worry and commenting that he brought someone with him. Ron introduces himself and the camera shows Lavender Brown looking very happy as Hermione stares at her looking less than happy. Ron tries to suggest that he just go since he's awful at potions, but Harry steps behind him to block him from leaving, and Professor Slughorn tells him he'll sort him out and any friend of Harry is a friend of his. He tells them to get their books out, and Harry apologizes because they don't actually have their books yet. Slughorn tells them not to worry and sends them to get one from the cupboard before returning to his lesson. As Harry and Ron head to the cupboard, Slughorn tells the class that he's prepared some concoctions that morning and asks if anyone knows what they might be. Hermione immediately raises her hand and Slughorn calls on her, questioningly saying, Miss... Hermione replies her last name is Granger, and begins to approach the first potion. Meanwhile, Harry and Ron open the cupboard to find two copies of advanced potion making, one in fairly new shape and an extremely tattered one. As Hermione can be heard identifying the potions in the background, the two boys look at each other and begin wrestling to get to the decent book first. Ron manages to get his hands on it first, leaving Harry with the tattered one. They then head to join the rest of the class as Hermione is identifying the second potion as Amortentia, the most powerful love potion in the world. She says it is rumored to smell differently to each person according to what attracts them. She mentions that she smells freshly mown grass, parchment, and sort of trails off when she says spearmint toothpaste. She looks a little embarrassed as she returns to her spot with the class. Slughorn takes over talking, explaining that Amortentia doesn't actually create love, which would be impossible, but it does create a powerful infatuation or obsession. As several girls slowly inch towards the love potion, Slughorn says that it probably makes it the most dangerous potion in the room, and he puts the lid on it. The girls all look disappointed and back off, and one of them nods towards the third and final potion, which is in a small glass vial. She says he hasn't told them what's in that one yet. Slughorn loosens the stand holding it and picks it up, calling it a curious potion known as Felix Felicis. He begins to share a more common name and Hermione speaks up slowly saying liquid luck, 
Slughorn confirms this and tells the class that it is desperately tricky to make and disastrous should you get it wrong. But one sip and they will find that all their endeavors will succeed until the effects wear off. The students are raptly paying attention now, Malfoy even lifting his head, finally looking engaged in the lesson. Slughorn then offers it as a prize to the student who manages to brew an acceptable draft of living death. He tells them the recipe can be found on page 10 of their books. As everyone frantically opens their books, he reminds them that only one student can win and wishes them luck, sending them all to their potion stations to begin brewing. Harry opens his battered copy of Advanced Potion Making and sees a cursive scrawl declaring the book to be the property of the Half-Blood Prince. He flips through the pages to get to page 10 and sees that they are covered with handwritten notes, directions crossed out, and lines rewritten. As everyone struggles to cut a round ingredient, sending them rolling around the tables or flying through the air, Harry notices the note in his book, with a circle around cut up and a line drawn to a note saying to crush the sapophorus bean with the blade instead. He uses the flat side of his knife and smashes the bean flat. As he is squeezing the juice into his cauldron, Hermione asks him how he did that, but when he tells her to crush it instead of cut it, she refuses to go against the instructions. As everyone continues to attempt brewing the difficult potion, Goyle melting his spoon and Seamus causing his potion to blow up in his face, Harry continues following the annotated instructions and seems to be having a much easier time. The camera shows a slimy blob oozing out of another student's cauldron, Hermione's hair getting frizzier as she stands over her attempted potion, desperately stirring it, and Harry calmly adding another ingredient to his pot. It then focuses on the little vial of liquid luck before transitioning to show an aerial view of a black potion very slightly bubbling in a cauldron. Slughorn drops a tiny red leaf into the concoction, which sizzles and burns away to nothing. He declares the potion to be perfect, and Hermione disappointedly stirs her cauldron again. It then cuts to the class gathered around again, this time looking a little worse for wear and disappointed, as Slughorn stands next to Harry with one hand on his shoulder and his other holding the vial. Harry reaches for it, but Slughorn pulls it back slightly as he congratulates him, then passes it over, telling him to use it well. Harry holds it up, and Slughorn begins clapping. A few students join in, namely Gryffindors, but most of them are less than amused. The scene ends on a close-up of Harry holding the tattered but very helpful copy of Advanced Potion Making behind his back. I'm actually really impressed with how similar these two scenes were. This is pretty decent, yeah. There are definitely some minor changes... But on the whole, it's kind of how it happened in the book. It moves the plot forward. It moves the plot <laughs> forward with details. With even. details, yes. And honestly, the things that changed were so minor, it didn't ultimately matter. Yeah, I agree. Of course, there were some things left out. Because they can't have everything. But not as much as a lot of other sections. Mm -hmm. This movie section was pretty long for me to read. Yeah, this is, I think one of the longest ones you've had to read. Mm-hmm. But we have the trio on their break talking about what Dumbledore is going to teach Harry because that's where we ended off last week was Harry getting that note about his first private lesson with Dumbledore that Saturday at 8. And Ron thinks that Harry's going to get to learn some spectacular jinxes, but Hermione thinks that those spectacular jinxes might be illegal and not necessarily illegal, but not necessarily what you want to teach a 16-year-old. So she thinks it's going to be more like the advanced defensive magic. Which would probably have illegal spells, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then after their break, she has arithmancy and Harry and Ron have their second free period. They got a good schedule. Granted, she's probably taking more classes than them. She is, yeah. But as Hermione predicted, Snape did give them a lot of homework. So they decide to use this free period to start that homework. And it's so complicated that they're not finished with it by the time Hermione actually joins them. But her being with them does help speed up the process. I've been there. Yeah. And they managed to get it finished just in time for their afternoon of double potions. I feel like I would love having so much so many free periods like yeah i'd probably take advantage eventually but like 
you could finish all your homework early. Yeah. And then have like your breaks just be your breaks. Get everything done. Yeah. Have time for yourself. Yes. Because they don't take this. Their schedule's not the same every day. No. Like they have potions like Tuesday, Thursday. Something like that. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I finished my homework that's due on Thursday. And so now I have Wednesday and I can just rest. Yeah. Sounds Ideally. Good. Ideally. But, you know, they're not going to do that. Probably not. No. But so they make their way to potions. And this was a minor little like short transition to get to where the book and the movie are lining up. Yes. Who they have at potions is slightly different. Mm -hmm. There's not as many Gryffindors. No. So they get to potions and see that only a dozen people have progressed. We talked about this a little bit last week where it was four Slytherins, including Malfoy, four Ravenclaws, which is not that surprising, and then one Hufflepuff, who's Ernie McMillan, mm -hmm. and then Harry, Ron, and Hermione. So that's the 12. That is it that got at least exceeds expectations. I think I really dislike how they include Crabbe and Goyle in the groups in the movie. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, in the book, Harry specifically notes that they're not that there. They did not yeah. make it, and he's amused by that. It sucks to suck, huh? Yeah. Which also kind of shows that maybe, just maybe, Snape did not give the Slytherins that much attention. I mean, he probably did. They just really are not. Yeah. Really not here for it. Those dumb boulders. <laughs> Those dumb boulders. Moss-covered boulders. I so miss that we don't get so much Ernie time. I don't like the kid. Ah, that sounds mean. He's like 12. But I didn't really enjoy the actor that played Ernie just because I don't think he fit the pompous level. No, and the book, again, in this moment, specifically mentions how pompous, how he, pompous is. he is. Like, it but even nice. says. Yeah. And I like that he's kind of, like, pompousy nice. Like, yeah. I feel like the kid that they had play Justin Finch Fletchley would have been a good Ernie. But it's just Hufflepuffs being Hufflepuffs. Yeah, so. maybe. I don't know. They're waiting outside the classroom when they greet each other. Ernie's just like... This old DA lad. Yes, like, I love he him. makes that whole comment about, like, he holds out his hand. He's very pompous about it, shakes Harry's hand, comments on how the shield charms are old hats. And the thing that I love about it is Harry is even thinking, even though Ernie can be pompous, he, he likes, likes him. him. Yes. Yeah. I think that Ernie is, like, if he were to become an Auror, he'd be one that's, like, protecting the queen. <laughs> I could totally see that. I totally went to Eaton with your grandsons. Yep. Shift my eyes. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, he shakes Harry's hand. Harry actually likes him. But it's like cute, funny Yeah, pompous. how Harry likes him despite that. Not even despite that. Like, yes, he can be that way, but he likes him. Yes. He then asks how Ron and Hermione are, but before they can respond, Slughorn opens up the dungeon door to invite them in enthusiastically greeting his faves Such Harry and Zabini who so now we know that Zabini is one of the other Slytherins which makes sense all things considered being one of the slug club of course he's going to take potions with old sluggy what's unusual is when they walk in the room it's already filled with vapors that are putting off some different smells and there's several large cauldrons already a bubble so do you imagine when you read the books that the cauldrons were like on the ground cauldrons big i always pictured them on the tables okay because i saw some author art and she had them around these big cauldrons and i was like that's so cute like little 11 year olds dropping stuff into the it's just i liked the art it was yeah. very cute but i did always imagine like what you said kind of like um over a Bunsen burner. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I mean, the cauldrons that they show in the movie and are in small. the game and stuff, they're like things you can carry around. Yeah, but when you typically think about a cauldron, you do think about a big pot of soup holding yeah, big over boy a cauldron. Fire. Yeah. But I feel like that's for families. That's for the Sanderson sisters yeah. and Hocus Pocus. Well, there's three of them. They needed a lot. And spit. <laughs> but. Each table seats four, so naturally the four Slytherins take one, the four Ravenclaws take another, which leaves Harry, Ron, and Hermione to 
share with Ernie. I just hate that we don't get more Ernie. Yeah. So this next part here, once they've picked their table and the potion that it puts them near, is a huge clue that we did not get in the movie at all. Well, they gave us a bit of a clue, but it wasn't for this particular future couple. But they're near a gold cauldron that's got a potion putting off a very seductive scent it's described as and harry this is not the potion that needs to be in a classroom of 16 year olds no (laughs) but harry can smell treacle tart which we know is his favorite dessert Mm, a woody broom the woody smell of a broom handle which we know is his favorite sport and something flowery he thinks he smelled at the burrow that comes back into play in a like a chapter yeah like next chapter yeah so interesting but then slughorn mrs weasley (laughs) harry totally has a crush on mrs weasley spoilers (laughs) anyway slughorn brings the class to attention telling them to get out their scales potion kits their copies of advanced potion making and harry's just like uh professor ron and i didn't know we could take this class so we don't have the materials yet And he says, oh, Professor McGonagall mentioned that you can use ingredients from the store cupboard today and borrow some scales and copies of the book from the stock of old ones we have. And then eventually we'll like write off and get yours sent. So he crosses over to the cupboard. This is one of the big differences. Mm -hmm. Not that it's a big difference, but Slughorn goes to the cupboard and pulls out two very battered copies of the book. I do think that this is a big difference, though. It is kind of a big difference. That he hands it to them. He does. He hands them each a battered copy of Advanced Potion Making by Libatious Borage. Which was our trivia question. It sure was. And then he also gives them two sets of pretty tarnished looking scales because it's just shit that's been sitting around for a while. Stuff in the classroom. It'd be like that. But I do love the fight for the book in the movie it's a very 16 year old boy it is and, and it was funny. a funny little touch i didn't mind that change but i do think it's really telling like i know slughorn didn't know that he was giving harry that but it's so different to have had him. it handed to him by yeah. chance as opposed to him fighting to not have the messed up version yes. of the book but getting stuck with it anyway and even Ron says, oh, Slughorn could have handed me that book, you know, after yeah. their first, you know. But he didn't. But he didn't. Yeah, so it just makes for a minor difference because in this instance, in the book, Slughorn has to, like, slightly interrupt his lesson in order to grab them the books. Whereas in the movie, he's just keeping on keeping on while the boys just grab them themselves and fight over them. But Slughorn returns to the front of the class and starts talking about the potions that he prepared, wanting them to look at them, saying that they're all potions that they should be able to make by the time they complete their NEWTs. And at this point, even though they haven't made them yet, they should at least have heard of them. Yes. So he wants to know if anyone can identify the potion that's nearest the Slytherin table at this point. And Harry kind of like tiptoes up on his little bit trying to see and it looks like it is just water boiling inside it that would be good for what it is right and he probably is just like i don't know what the fuck it is it's water right yeah you're just playing a trick on us this is water that'd be hilarious i would do that (laughs) but hermione being hermione immediately raises her hand and slughorn calls on her and she identifies it as veritaserum saying it's a colorless, odorless potion that forces the drinker to tell the truth. And this is not the first time that we have heard of Veritaserum. So it makes perfect sense that he thinks they should have heard of it before. To be fair, the only reason Harry knows about it is because they gave it to Barty Crouch Jr. and Umbridge used it last year. It's not like they actually learned about it. I'm pretty sure, though, that most of the non-inquisitorial squad students... They probably had some kind of brief encounter with it that's so scary with her and the inquisitorial squad may have known, have known about, about it, it from yeah. her so was it the, stands to reason that was they've the heard of it. on the inquisitorial squad i would imagine so probs it was mostly he Slytherins. doesn't necessarily seem to be like he's a bully though like no he doesn't like people but also he doesn't seem like he's like very outward like Malfoy he seems is. more haughty than he seems he seems dicky. yeah 
pompousy kind of I'm better than you scenario. Yeah. Not I don't want to be around people. Yeah. Though. He's a little emo boy. So Slughorn is pleased that Hermione identified this, but it doesn't really go beyond that yet. He Not just moves yet. on to the next potion, which is near the Ravenclaw table. So he gestures to the next potion. Again, Hermione is just like, I got this. And says it's Polyjuice Potion. This time, even Harry knew what it was because the trio had all taken it in their second year. But he doesn't mind that it's Hermione giving the answer again because she is the one who made it. As as a a 12-year-old. student. (laughs) Yeah. Which is impressive. So Slughorn is now beyond pleased actually saying excellent. And that increases even more when Hermione raises her hand to identify the third potion, which is the one by the trio and Ernie's table. Mm-hmm. She says that it's Emortentia. And he's just like, do you know what it does? And she said, it's the most powerful Duh. love potion in the world. Slughorn's just like, yep, that's what it is. Did you recognize it by its... I feel like they're totally potion nerding out right now, too. He's just like, did you recognize it because of its mother of pearl sheen? And Hermione's just like, yeah, also the steam rising in characteristic spirals. She's just like, you know, smells different to other people, too. But this is what it smells like to me. Yeah, she shares that, that saying that it smells different according to what attracts them. And she says she smells freshly mown grass and new parchment and then just completely trails off. She does not give us the third the one. Ter- ter- she faced. just turns pink. And then Slughorn kind of saves her. Yeah. And just asks for her name. And when she says that she's Hermione Granger, he wants to know if she's related to Hector Dagworth Granger, who founded the most extraordinary society of potioneers. And she has to tell him that she doesn't think she is because she's muggle-born. She might be. You never know. And then this like hits a light bulb or a Lumos wand above Slughorn's head. And he's just like, oh, and looks over at Harry, back to Hermione, back to Harry. One of my best friends is Muggleboard and she's the best in the year. Aww. I presume this is the friend you were speaking of. And Harry's just like, yep. he very proudly says yes. yes. And then he gives Hermione 20 points for Gryffindor. As he should. I love Hermione's Amortentia smells because it's so homey yeah it's very i sit inside and read my books we cut the grass together and do like outside stuff together and then we go inside and do booky things together and i want to know what the third one is because obviously it connects her to ron and the movie gave us that spearmint toothpaste because of the little moment Mm -hmm. they had but there's got to be something else that she was embarrassed to say out loud. And I think that should be our pondering. Mm, I want people to pondering. theorize what Hermione's third Immortentia I wonder if it's something is. that's like in his room. Maybe. And that would be immediately noticeable to him. Like the smell of, I don't, you know how like his room's in the attic, like yeah. the sun hits the the way that that smells when the sun hits a room, it has a very specific smell. So I wonder if there was something. It's just the smell of Ronald's dirty laundry. <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. <laughs> my room at my dad's house was west facing. So anytime the sun was setting, it would, you know, have very nice sun hitting it. And it had like the wood floor would like, you could smell the wood more. I don't know how to explain it. But that's, I still can smell that sometimes yeah. and it makes me happy. So yeah. I wonder if it's like a... It definitely has to be something that identified it as Ron, though. Mm-hmm. Pigwidgeon's feathers. Right? <laughs> but what do you think? Keepers. Yeah. We want to know I what it's going to be our pondering. Is. Get a little bit of creative thinking going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Hermione's got those 20 points. And this does not make Malfoy very happy, naturally. But Hermione doesn't care because she turns to Harry and she's like, you said I'm the best in the year. Oh, Harry. And Ron gets a little jealous in this moment. He's just like, that's not that impressive. You are the best in the year. And I would have said so, too, if someone asked me. It's such a good Harry Hermione line. Like it just that little tidbit 
had been in the movie. Like, I know the first part was when he initially meets Slughorn, but if that little tidbit, the throwback, had been in there, it just really would have made Harry and Hermione's relationship, it just would have been different. Yeah, and they do have a little moment later on that I feel like plays into their friendship pretty mm-hmm. well, too, but we did not get this one in this moment, and I do love this moment, Especially since it makes Ron a little jealous. Yeah, that's really funny. And then Hermione just shushes him and he just kind of looks disgruntled <laughs> about it. He's just like, mm-hmm. whatever. And then at this point, Slughorn tells the class that Immortentia does not create an actual love. It's more of an obsession, maybe a very powerful infatuation. I really like the foreshadowing here. Because we get that Immortentia. I assume that's the love potion oh. she used. To get I would imagine that's what Fred and George were brewing. Which let's also jump back to what you say. I think a diluted version of it. Because I think that they they are like, they understand. But again, this is a newt potion. That's true. They're so fucking smart. I just wanted to give you that opportunity yeah, to say that. smart. Zoinks. Immortentia plays a pretty big role in this story. At least love potions in general do. Yes. Six is very love potiony, And it's very interesting because Slughorn describes it as quite possibly the most dangerous and powerful potion in the room. And initially people are kind of skeptical about this, but I feel like the There's book shows room us the accuracy of love. Yeah. He then says it's time to start work and it's Ernie who says, but sir, you haven't told us about this one. And he points to a small cauldron that's sitting on Slughorn's desk. Oh, and this one has a golden potion that's kind of like splashing out. I think they describe it as looking like little fish jumping on the surface. I love that. And Slughorn full on pretends that he forgot about it to create that dramatic effect. Like Harry's sure it's play acting, but really appreciates it. They really cast him well. Yeah, he goes, oh, and then tells the class it's a curious little potion called Felix Felicius, which makes Hermione gasp. And she is the only one. Because everybody else is dumb. (laughs) He says, I take it you know what this does. And she says, it's liquid luck. It makes you lucky. So she gets another 10 points and then tells the class that Felix Felicius is really difficult to make and can really fuck things up if you get it wrong. But brewed correctly, like that one has been, it will allow everything they attempt to do to succeed until the effects wear off. Then one of the Ravenclaws, Terry Boot, who we've heard of before, wants to know why people don't drink it all the time. And this is another one of those details that the movie didn't really give us. They just kind of gloss over these extra little things. I don't even think somebody that could have been Terry Boot was in the scene. No. It was a lot of Gryffindor girls in yes. this scene. Romilda Vane, who's supposed to be, like, younger than Harry. She's a third year, fourth year? I think she's a fourth yeah, year. Yeah, fourth year. Why are you in a newt level class? Maybe you're advanced. Who, who cares? Not that much. <laughs> so. But Slughorn explains that too much will cause giddiness and recklessness and an overconfidence that can become dangerous because in general too much of a good thing is bad typically like (laughs) typical sugar chocolate Uh uh-huh but it's okay when taken sparingly and occasionally then michael corner another ravenclaw asks if he's ever taken it and slughorn does that whole play acting thing again just I don't sort know of if like he is play acting in this Staring point. off into space. Because can you imagine if you had the most perfect day of your life and then you get to think back on it yeah. for a second? I feel like... Maybe it's not. I, I think guess it Hig- does say that Harry, Harry figures, figures he, is. he is. But regardless... He hasn't taken the potion yet. He doesn't know the feeling. It creates a very good effect because he just like stares off into space as he says, twice in my life, once when I was 24 and once when I was 57... Two tablespoons taken at breakfast, two perfect days. That sounds great. Yeah. Can I just have one of those occasionally? And then Slughorn seems to come back to Earth (laughs) and tells the class that whoever can brew the best potion will get Felix Felicius as a prize. And he holds up a little glass bottle, says it's enough for 12 hours of luck, and then warns them that it's banned in organized competitions like sporting events exams elections so it's 
only to be used on an ordinary day and watch it become extraordinary. I like the way he he does that. It's yeah, very... he seems like he is a very engaging teacher. Yes, it would be very fun to learn with him. So they're going to be able to win it by turning to page 10 of advanced potion making and use the next hour that they have to try to brew the draft of living death. He does say that it's more complicated than anything they'll have brewed yet. So he's not actually expecting them to do this perfectly. The prize is going to go to whoever does the best. I think this is a really good idea, especially since he's new, so he can gauge ability where to start. Yeah. he He's a good teacher. I think so, too. And you know what? The way Snape was doing, we talked the last episode about how where Snape was getting them to try not talking, using nonverbal spells. I guess that's a good tactic to figure out where everybody is. It is. It's just he that didn't do it in the Slughorn's right way, execution was He's better. better. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. I honestly think Snape has the ability to be a good teacher. But the trauma to he not He does be. not have the temperament to. Yeah, that's true. Which does come to trauma. Like, maybe with extensive therapy, he could have been an amazing teacher. Now, basically, the class goes completely silent. And the only thing you can hear is everyone's cauldron scraping across the table as they pull him closer and the clunking from the weights being added to the scale. And Harry is kind of getting his stuff set up, but also notices that Nazi von Douchebag II is like desperately rifling through his book. He really wants that lucky day. And so he's just like, oh, I gotta get to work. And he bends over the tattered copy that he got from Slughorn. And is initially extremely annoyed to see that the previous owner literally wrote all over it. I mean, crossing things out, filling the entire margins with notes. I don't think I've ever making had a all of these annotations, like especially to the ingredients and the directions. And he manages to decipher what he needs, hurries over to the store cupboard and grabs everything, dashes back to his table and starts to get to work. And while everyone's working, they're all kind of like occasionally looking around and checking everyone else's progress. But it's within 10 minutes that the room is filled with a bluish steam. So I imagine it becomes a little bit more difficult to like fully see what everyone's doing. And it's just the focus. I like this line in the book because Harry said it's the advantage and disadvantage of being in potions is that you can see what other people are doing. Yeah. And that's true. If you're in a hands-on class, like when you're taking a lab, you can always watch what other people are doing, just in case you're just not in case. sure. And I'm sure that happens a lot. Yes. Of course, Hermione, after 10 minutes or so, has progressed the furthest. Of course. He says that her potion is already the smooth black currant-colored liquid that the book describes as the halfway point, how it should look. And at this point, like Harry was pre-chopping all of his roots. So he's getting everything ready. And then he bends back over his book, still annoyed that he has to try and figure out what the directions say through all of these scribbles. And notices that the previous owner didn't like the direction to cut up the sapophorus bean. And instead made a note to crush it with the flat side of a silver dagger. Because it releases the juices better than cutting. Now, is a silver dagger their part of... That's like a required school item. So like the school supplies were the same when Snape was there. Or does it specifically have to be a silver dagger? I have to figure that that's just a standard potion yeah. tool. I kind of thought that too. But I was I was just curious. So in the movie they kind of show this. Is everybody's like fussing with their... They look like roly polies. Sof they are called sapophorus be beans yeah. in the movie too, because you yeah. can see it on the book. They're flying everywhere, or like Ron's trying to cut his, and it's scooting around the table, and he's trying to catch it. What it goes flying? It across goes flying the room. across the room. But then Harry reads this, and he just slowly <coughs> crushes it. So these sapophorus beans are like roly polies because they literally move. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, it was all. a little different in the movie than how I read it from the book. It Absolutely. just seemed like cutting it left them in with... I would imagine if you think of it like cutting a lime in half and then squeezing half of it into your potion or your yeah. beverage or whatever, your, whatever you're cooking, that... I wonder if you could crush it with your hand instead. I imagine if you have to use something 
Yeah, like a knife. The knife, then it's probably harder yeah. to crush. I mean, I imagine it's probably somewhat flexible, but but I feel like maybe you just can't squeeze as much out when you only have half of it. But when he crushed it, a lot came out. A lot of juice came out. So maybe something about containing it. I don't know. Anyway, it genuinely worked. He borrowed Hermione's silver dagger because he doesn't have his with him. She's like mad when he asks to borrow it. She's like, yeah, 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 take it. Well, she's just so focused Focused, on what she's doing that she's like, can't be bothered. I think it's so funny, though. She's like, yes. (laughs) There is a brief distraction when Malfoy's trying to suck up to Slughorn, saying, I believe you know my grandfather, Abraxas Malfoy. New because he is dead. new and slughorn does respond to him but doesn't even look at him while he's doing it and this is the kind of shit where like i get it you know that his dad is a murder muncher however he's trying to make some kind of connection like, with you he's your student he's it's your just student kinda... and at least you gave him an answer i guess but you can't yeah. even look at him you can't even talk to him maybe if slughorn had included him in the slug club maybe it could have helped nazi von douchebag the second go a slightly different path this year slughorn makes a lot of poor choices he does (laughs) accurate but he confirms that he did like you said express his sorrow for his death because he's no longer with him but he does say that it wasn't unexpected contracting dragon pox at his age. That sucks. It's like getting tackled on the one yard line. Yeah. Harry finds this a little bit amusing, though, because he was pretty sure Nazi von Douchebag II was hoping for some of that preferential treatment that he and Zabini are getting and that Snape used to give him. And that didn't work out. So he's going to have to rely on his own talent to try and win Felix. Well, I'm sure he's pretty talented. I mean, he made it into Newt-level potions. Yeah. But like we were saying, he borrows Hermione's silver knife, and she just nods without looking away from her potion, because at this point, it's supposed to be turning lilac, but it is still very deep purple. I'm sure this is so stressful for her. Yeah. And when Harry crushes his bean and is amazed by the amount of juice that actually does come out of it, he scoops it into his cauldron, And it immediately turns the shade of lilac that the book's saying it was supposed to. Which makes Harry be like, oh, wait a second, previous owner. He doesn't know at this point in the book that it's the Half-Blood Prince. He doesn't look until after he does it. He has no idea yet. In the movie, he knows. In the movie, he's already seen it. It's like the first page. Yes. But at this point, he's like all about following the annotated directions because it seems to be working for him hermione can't get her potion to lighten my guess is cutting the sapophorus bean didn't give her enough of the juice to turn it lilac and she needed more so maybe a second bean would have helped in that situation (laughs) or i don't know or maybe just crushing it with the flat side of your silver dagger i guess that's where knowing your potion ingredients would definitely help like it's like cooking you know like oh this is too thin i need to add more flour right Anyway, the next line of directions, the official book ones, say to stir counterclockwise until the potion turns as clear as water. But there's a handwritten addition that says add a clockwise turn every seventh counterclockwise turn. Magic. And Harry's just like, well, maybe he'll be right twice. So he stirs counterclockwise seven times. And then stirs clockwise once, and the potion immediately goes from a lilac to a very pale pink. At this point, Hermione's face completely red. Her hair is bigger than it's ever been ever, when it's normally supposed to be pretty big. Just goes, how are you doing that? And Harry's just like, add a clockwise stir. And she's just like, no, no, the book says counterclockwise. I mean, I get it. And I feel like we get a similar moment in the movie. Like, we, we do. We definitely get the essence of this. But the book is just a little more detailed. Harry's just like, okay, whatever. And just keep doing it in a way that's clearly not working for you. So he just keeps stirring and counting them out and adding in the change of direction. <laughs> while Ron's like just swearing under his breath because his potion is still <laughs> super black. Black as licorice, the book describes. And Harry's looking around, like, feeling really good for the first time ever in that classroom because nobody's potion is anywhere near as pale as his. Like, Hermione's is the closest, and it's still dark purple. And then Slughorn tells everyone it's time to stop. And 
starts <laughs> walking around the classroom inspecting everybody's work. When he gets to Harry's table, he just smiles ruefully at Ron's potion, which <laughs> looks like tar. Yikes. Completely just ignores Ernie's potion, which Aww. is navy. So he got it a little bit lighter than that. Gives Hermione's an approving nod because she clearly has progressed through the steps. And then gets to Harry's and is just like, this one is the clear winner. This is the best. Absolutely. He thinks that he inherited his mother's talents because she was a dab hand at potions. And then gives him the little bottle of Felix Felicius. I really like Slughorn's interactions with Harry on this basis because... He is one, besides Remus, he is one of the only people who frequently talks about how Harry is like his mother. Yeah. And I think that gives Harry a lot of confidence and affirmation that, I I don't know, my parents are both alive, but I assume if you grew up without your parents, you want approval from them, like you would want to think that they would like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know how exactly Harry feels in this moment, but I feel like having that and feeling like, oh, my mom would like me would just feel so good. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I do like Slughorn is because he makes a point to be like, you're so much like your mother. And Harry just always gets the you're like your dad, except your eyes. And in this moment, it kind of makes Harry feel a weird combination of very delighted, but then also kind of guilty because... Yeah, because he didn't. There's a part of him that feels like he kind of cheated. And Hermione looks so disappointed. Yeah. Ron looks dumbfounded, wants to know how Harry did that. But Nazi von Douchebag's right there in earshot. So Harry's just like, I got lucky, I guess. And then once they get to dinner, he's just like, okay, so there were <laughs> these extra dinner. little notes in my book. And... The look on Hermione's face here is what makes him voice it out loud. I suppose you think I cheated. And she's like, well, it really wasn't your own work. But Ron's just like, eh, you took a risk. You followed different instructions and it paid off. I'm with Ron. Yeah, he's just like, Slughorn could have given me that book. But no, he gave me a book that somebody puked on by the looks of it. But (laughs) (laughs) I think this is very akin to cooking. You know, you have pound cake recipe by old southern grandma you have pound cake recipe by xyz you can mix and match you can do your own you can just get a feel for what the ingredients basically need to be and make your own you know like it's kind of i don't think it's that precise like obviously this shows us that the potions don't have to be exactly what one person says well it's chemistry yeah it is and there are always ways to fix things when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Maybe not always. Maybe you can screw Frequently. something up to the point where you can't fix it. But for the most part. Just keep adding shit. Right? Oh, this is a good good spot when Harry's like, hold up. I smell something. Yeah. I love this. This is what I was talking about that we get to. It wasn't even next chapter. No, it, was it was later this later scene. Later this chapter. Yeah. That here they are discussing how Harry followed varied directions yeah in his book and this voice goes hang on right in his ear and he picks up on that flowery smell that he was smelling in slughorn's dungeon near that immortentia and turns to see Ginny, who understandably looks alarmed and upset pissed off and wants to know if he's really been taking orders from something someone wrote in a book and Harry's just like, no, 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 this is not like Riddle's diary. It's just an old textbook somebody scribbled on. And this doesn't really appease her because... I think this is an interesting response, honestly, because it is just a textbook. It is just a textbook. And while we see that not everything written in the textbook is safe, I think for the most part, when you're like reading your textbooks, like if you're taking a chemistry class and somebody wrote Right. So you're, it's, it's not, not going to, it's not the same as yeah. somebody controlling you. And it's not like it was showing the signs of magic. Like Ginny could literally write in hers and have it write back to her. Like this is literally just someone wrote notes on a book. But Hermione 
not wanting to fully accept that Harry did better in her than potions. Oh, you're right. So like, dangerous. Oh, you could have a boy. This could be dangerous. And she just grabs Harry's copy of the book without him giving her permission and uses her wand to cast Specialis Revelio. Which we see later, which is funny. And nothing happens. And Harry's just like, are you finished or do you want to see if it's going to do backflips too? Can I like have my book back, please? Thank you. Hermione's just like, all right, it seems to be all right. And he snatches it back, but he's like kind of aggressive about it. So it slips out of his hand and falls open to the floor. And when he bends over to pick it up, that's when he sees the scrawl. It's actually along the bottom of the back cover in the book. And it says, this book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. We do get this streamlined version, montage moment of everybody being a hot mess in the dungeon. But we don't get all of the detail. Yeah. As per usual. Having Harry read from the book, you see he's got this different book from Ron. You see at the beginning of this scene, we see this book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, he opens it up and it's written on the inside page. Yeah, which makes more sense for whatever. But, you know, whatever. You do you. I mean, I wrote in a permanent marker on all of the books that I have in my class through my last name on the cover. Yeah, I have them. If it's my personal book, like when I got my textbooks for school, I would always write my name on the outside, but it's just my last name. Yeah, same here. But I mean, I now have a bunch of books that say Lukoski. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's my maiden name. And I'm like, well, hopefully they still know these are mine. But that's where the movie cuts off. Yeah, and is that's where the book the, chapter ends. Yeah. So it's a slight difference in the ending since the book ends on him finding out that this book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince and the movie showed that a little sooner. But the way that the scene ends, he's like hiding the book behind mm-hmm. his back because he doesn't want anybody to realize that I don't think he cheated I don't think he did either. I think Ron is right. He just followed different directions. He just took a chance and it paid off. But I could also see him not wanting to lose the opportunity to follow those different directions the next time. Yeah. So he's trying to, this is my book now, I'm gonna keep this. I mean, it is good that he hid it because if he hadn't, Snape might have found out earlier. True. Would have been a shorter book and this is already a shorter (laughs) book compared to the previous two. But speaking of shorter, we've already talked about Slughorn. We've already talked about Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And nobody else in this scene really had a moment. They couldn't give us Malfoy trying to suck up to Slughorn. They couldn't give us anything beyond a montage. You're right. Mm-hmm, it was kind yeah. of montage for that. The one thing I do really want to comment on is how Hermione finally looked like Book Hermione. She did, yeah, with her bushy hair. (laughs) But that's what she should have always looked like. And then it should have gotten bushier and bushier. Yes. (laughs) But since there's no actors to talk about, we can just move on to our Potter pondering, which we have decided is going to be, what do you think the third thing Hermione could smell from Amortentia was? It's Ronald's room. (laughs) Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. That will bring us to this week's Wizarding Word. And that is, there is a new Harry Potter baking book coming out this summer. So the article we have is on the Wizarding World website. And this is very appropriate for the episode that we just did because baking is potions. It is. (laughs) That's my basic thought process. Cooking and potions, they go hand in hand. So they have lots of really cute things that you can do. Hogwarts crust cookies, platform nine and three quarters cupcakes... Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Bean Box. Those look like cookies. Ooh, they are cookies. Yes, that looks nice. And lots of other things. 30 plus sweets and treats that you can bake and create with this beautiful little book. 
I love the start of this article. It says, are you a whiz in the kitchen looking for a new magical challenge? I love it. <laughs> so cute. It is cute. And this looks like stuff that you can do with your kids. So it yeah, looks fun, fun and family friendly. And as Carly's toddler is growing and learning and becoming a little bit more independent, we're able to get our schedule a little bit more solidified and normalized and hoping that we'll be able to start doing our cooking show again. Mm-hmm. We're going to switch up how we do it and follow along with recipes from the various Harry Potter cookbooks that we have. So this is one that will eventually get added to the mix, but we do have a lot right now. So instead of it being us, like Katie and I used to, teaching a recipe, you're going to just get to watch us fumble through a recipe. Which well, is not fun. not necessarily fumble. We, we may, are both pretty good. Yeah, cooks, we're both so. pretty good in the kitchen, but... It's not going to be like we practice it. We're just going to do it. We're just going to do it, it in front and of the camera. Fun and yeah. That brings us to the trivia question. And this is book specific. Because it's different in the movie. But book. Whose memory do Harry and Dumbledore visit first? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag grumpy will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at ForFoxSakePodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at FoxSakePod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 10, The House of Gaunt, and the barely any film scenes, let alone corresponding ones. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For, for Fox, Fox Sake. sake.